right, thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you, choir and our praise team. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Acts, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. Today we'll look at verses 1 through 9. I'm going to share a sermon that I've simply entitled, Two Completely Different Men. Two Completely Different Men. Acts chapter 9, and we'll read in just a few minutes, uh, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to mention two facts to begin with. Fact number one, this morning every person here has things in our past that we're ashamed of. Every person here has things in their past that we are ashamed of or that we regret. Fact number two, every person here this morning can be completely redeemed, completely forgiven, and changed as you get closer to eternity. Now some people will say, well, that person can't change. Some people may even say, that person will never change. Some may even say, there's no hope for that person. They're not going to change. However, the Bible, God's Word, says different. According to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite scriptures, it just says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so because of the Word of God, and because of my personal experiences, I know that God can change you if you'll trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, we believe that people can change because of Christ. We believe they can change because of Christ, and we've seen that in His Word. We know that Zacchaeus changed. We know that Jonah changed. We know that Esther changed. We know the woman at the well changed. We know that his disciples changed. And now in Acts chapter 9, one of the most likely persons who people believe would never change, changed. Now remember, Christ is the key to everlasting change. Some people say, well, I've changed four or five times. <laughs> you know, it's like somebody told me one day, I quit smoking five times. Really? We're talking about everlasting change. We're not talking about changing just for a moment, but we're talking about something coming over us that changes us forever. Forever. Now, there's no testimony in the Bible about people changing like this person changed. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, 
he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around from him, around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the gourds. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And then Saul arose from the ground, and, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And as he was there, or as he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity we have to come into this house to worship you. And Father, after our time of worship, singing songs of praise and hymns, being ministered to by the choir, being led by the praise team, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit today would please reveal to every person here and every person listening and viewing online that Jesus Christ is the key to everlasting change. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time together. And we know your word will not return void. It will accomplish what it goes forth to do. So go from chair to chair, row to row, Lord, convicting of sin and of righteousness of judgment. And Father, we give you the honor and glory and praise for all that's done here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, I want to begin by point number one, just some biographical information about Saul. What is, all, what is Saul all about? Who is Saul? Well, before Acts chapter 9, Paul, as we know him, Paul, as we know him, was referred to as Saul of Tarsus. However, after his conversion... He became known as Paul the Apostle. Saul of Tarsus, lost. Paul the Apostle, saved. Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles, saved. But before his conversion, he was called Saul of Tarsus and Saul of the Pharisees. He was a Pharisee. But Saul hated the church. He had no regard whatsoever for the church. He believed that there could be no peaceful coexistence between the militant Jews and the militant Christians. Saul saw incompatibility between those two faiths. Either Judaism was right and Christianity was apostasy or Christianity was right and Judaism was just obsolete. So Saul felt that since Jesus was dead, that Christianity had to be put to death. And the sooner the better. 
And so he would spend his life up until this point tormenting Christians, putting them to death, intimidating Christians, putting them to death. So the point, Saul hated Christians, and he persecuted them. He had them arrested, and then he would take them to jail, and he would make sure they were punished. In Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8, those two chapters say that Paul, or Saul in this case, 6 and 7, or 7 and 8, Saul was at the stoning of Stephen. We're even told that Saul held everyone's coats while they stoned Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. Stephen was a deacon. He was stoned to death. Saul held the garments of those who would give them ease by throwing their rocks if they just take off their tunic, coat, outer garment, and give it to Saul. And he would hold their coats while they pommeted Stephen with rocks. So Saul, this intellectual, one who protected the old ways, he hated Christians. He hated those who were known as the followers of the way. In chapter, one, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest. So Saul is breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Now that word slaughter, the Greek word, is phonos. It occurs ten times in the New Testament. And every time it's used with an exception to one, it's always translated murder. Murder. And so Saul was breathing out threatenings and murdering those who followed the way. So the point is, Paul, Saul had committed himself to get rid of the Christians through intimidation and through murder. Now listen, Acts chapter 9 is about Saul becoming a different man. First of all, you have biographical information about Saul. But secondly, how was Saul converted to faith in Jesus Christ? Well, if you take a note, first of all, Saul meets Jesus. He meets him in an unusual way. The verse begins by him in verse 1, seeking permission from the high priest for him to go to Damascus to destroy Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. He was getting permission to go to Damascus, to go to the synagogues where all the Christians were meeting. The saved Jews at that time, Jewish Christians, still worshiping in the synagogue. And so he wanted to just clean out the synagogue. And so he's going on his way to Damascus. Damascus, probably one of the oldest cities you'll find in the Bible, Damascus existed prior to Abraham. It was about two miles from Jerusalem. And so while he was traveling to Damascus, it gave him an opportunity just to get madder and madder, more mad, more mad. And he was in prime shape, would, would have been if he had made it to the synagogue. But look at verse 3. 
Verse 3 says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him, shone around him from heaven. So as he nears Damascus, suddenly this light shines around him from heaven. He knew it was from heaven. Shone round about. Shone round about can also be translated uh, flashed round about. We had lightning storms here last night and early this morning, and lightning would flash, and it would just be everywhere. The sky would just light up. Paul, Saul was experiencing this flash from heaven. He had no doubt whatsoever that it was light from heaven. So when, when Paul was an old man, referring to this story in Acts chapter 26, verse 3, he says the light was brighter than the sun. Now imagine that. The light was brighter than the sun. Hey, Paul, when you were on the Damascus Road, how bright was that light? You said, Paul, it was brighter than the sun. And Paul said, well, when it appeared to me, it had more glory than the sun in the sky. That's how bright it was. That's who Jesus is. That's who our Jesus is. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. John said in John 1, 4, Christ is the light of all men, and the darkness of this world will never extinguish the light. Now they try, but they'll never extinguish the light. Jesus was in Genesis chapter 1, and the Father said, Let there be light, and there was light. Matthew 17, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus shared his glory with Peter and James and John, they had to cover their faces because of his glory. His glory was so bright. Glory so bright. And they confessed, Jesus, you're Christ. You're the Messiah. In Matthew 28, when the angels announced that Jesus had been raised from the dead, when the people looked in or looked at that situation, they saw the guards, and the guards had fallen over like they were dead men because of the light of God's glory. So the point is this. This is that great and glorious God that intervened in Saul's life. This is that great and glorious God that intervened in my life. This is that great and glorious God that intervened in many of your lives. This is that great and glorious God that wants to intervene in your life today. The light of God, the brilliancy of God, Jesus Christ himself. Never forget who God is and what, cap and what God is capable of. In Psalm 145, jot this verse down, verse 5. Verse 5 says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Glorious, brilliant. Jesus, the light. So the point is, Saul was a terrible sinner, and he was a very horrible person. But see, sin met its match through the power of Jesus Christ. 
the light of the world. So you have the biographical information. How was he converted? A light of the world from heaven. Notice in verse 4, back in Acts chapter 9, notice how he responded in verse 4. Saul, then he, Saul, fell to the ground, and he heard a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Now, we don't know if Paul ever met Jesus when the Lord was on the earth. The Bible doesn't say that he did, doesn't say that he didn't. He could have, but it's never mentioned. But his view of Jesus is formed here on the Damascus Road. Maybe he never talked to Jesus, but he forms his opinion of Jesus. So to Paul, the Savior was never Jesus of Nazareth, but he was the Lord from heaven. Didn't know him as Jesus of Nazareth, but he has experienced him as the Lord from heaven. And notice his reaction there in verse 4. He fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. He was upright, and all of a sudden he falls to the ground. And as I read that, I thought, listen, the higher and the larger the Lord becomes to us, the lower we have to become. The higher and the larger the Lord becomes to us, the lower that we have to go because he's God Almighty. And we're so, we're just human. We're just mankind. He's so awesome. He's so holy. And so the higher and the larger that the Lord becomes in our lives, the more humble we become. Amen? Amen. So here's the question. Have you ever met a prideful person? I've met prideful people. I pray that I'm never, I never come across as a prideful person. But if you've ever met a prideful person, a prideful person is an example of, of someone who has not been in the Lord's presence in a long, long, long time. So if you've been in God's presence, you would be so impressed with God that you wouldn't be bragging about yourself, but you'd be bragging about God. The point is, if you see someone prideful, someone boasting, it's evidence that they haven't been around Jesus in a long time. Because the higher you lift him up, the lower we become. So the Bible says that the only thing that we should boast in is we need to boast in the Lord. And so when I'm close to Jesus, he's all that I can brag about. Him and not myself. He was converted. Saul meets the light of the world. He was converted. Saul humbles himself there in verse 4. He's converted. Jesus confronts Saul. Look, if you will, at verse 5. Verse 5 says this, And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Who are you, Lord? I'm the one you're persecuting. No, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. No, you're persecuting me. I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. So you need to make a note here. All the offenses against us 
as the church and as individual Christians, it's personal to and for and with Jesus Christ. When you're persecuted from the outside world, they're not persecuting you. They're persecuting Jesus Christ. When we're persecuted as a body of believers, they're not persecuting Mountain View Baptist Church. They're persecuting Jesus Christ. Saul was abusing church people, followers of the way, but the text says that it's personal. It's in first person. I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And so listen, it's always personal to Jesus. When I'm persecuted, it's Jesus. When I serve, it's Jesus. When I give, it's Jesus. When I bring coffee canisters to hand out to the homeless, it's Jesus. When I'm being persecuted, it's Jesus. When I'm serving, it's Jesus. When I'm giving, it's Jesus. Matthew 25, verse 34. Let's look over there just a moment. I think I gave this to one a scripture you probably remember. 34. Yeah, thank you. Matthew 25, 34, and we'll read through uh, 40. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to see you? Or Lord, added emphasis, when did we give you a, a, uh, a canister filled with care items? When did we do that? Verse 40, and the king will answer and say, As surely I say to you, Insomuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. It's personal. You know, when I do stuff for people who can't pay me back, it's like doing it for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And the point is, the more it's about Jesus, the more I win as a believer. And when powerful people try to hurt me, it's like hurting Jesus. When powerful people try to get rid of me, it's like trying to get rid of Jesus. You see that? That's what he's saying here. Why are you persecuting me? I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting those people in Damascus. He says, no, you're persecuting me. So listen, Paul realized for the first time that he had persecuted the Messiah of Israel. He realized for the first time he persecuted the son of David. He persecuted the son of God. He persecuted and laid violent hands against the beloved of heaven, Jesus Christ himself. And he realized, hey, it's true. It's true. He was crucified. He was buried. The Messiah was crucified and buried, and he was raised again in power and in truth. And so, how was he saved? He was blinded by this light of heaven. 
and he falls to the ground in humility, and he realizes who had really he had really persecuted Jesus, and then he submits to his lordship in his life. Look at verse 6, back at Acts chapter 9. Verse 6 said, So he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, notice he used the word Lord again. What do you want me to do? However, this time, it was a confession of his faith. It's my Lord. What do you want me to do? And so God had put Jesus, he put Jesus at one time, at the very beginning, on the throne of the universe, and now Saul is putting Jesus Christ on the throne of his heart. And that's what it means by inviting Christ into your life. That's what it means by giving your heart to Christ. That's what it means by trusting Jesus, believing in Jesus, that you're giving yourself to him. He becomes your Lord. He has all power and authority and control in your life. And this is where Paul is right now. So he leaves from being Saul, and because of his confession of him being Lord, Christ being Lord, now he, become, he becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ was Lord in Saul's heart. Lord in his mind, Lord in his soul, Lord in his will. And at that time, the old Saul died. And Paul came into existence with the crucified Christ, crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and one day will be resurrected as Christ was raised. But notice, closing, Jesus dealt with Saul personally. Verse 7, how was he saved? Well, Jesus dealt with him personally. And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. The Lord was not speaking to them. wasn't speaking to them. He was speaking to Saul. And here's the point. God can pick you out of a crowd. Anyway, he can pick you out of a football stadium. He can pick you out of 150 people in this room today. He can pick you out of a crowd anywhere. He can speak to you individually. He can speak to you by yourself at home. He can speak to you in a crowd. He can speak to you. He spoke to Saul. The point is God can pick you out of a crowd with 150, where 150 people here, God can be speaking one-on-one -on -one to you and 149 just walk out unmoved, but one person recognizes the voice of the Savior and passes immediately from death to life, and everybody else is walking out. Would you be that one person today? God's speaking to you and speaking to no one else. I said oftentimes, you know, if no one else comes, you come. If God's dealing with you today, you need to come. But God deals with us on a one-on-one -on -one basis. That's the characteristic of evangelism. On this occasion, Paul's traveling. He has these companions. They were just passed by. They didn't get the message, but he got the message. And so the point is God can kindly zero in on you. You can't hide from God. If you're in a crowd, if you're traveling on a bus or in a plane 
wherever you might be. You can't hide from God. When God wants to say something to you, he kind of gets through to you. Saul, Saul. I remember when I was in school, and I wasn't too good in algebra and uh, geometry in those math classes. And uh, we'd have to go to the board, you know. And I always dreaded they was going to call on English. I didn't mind. But math, I just hated to be called on to go to the board. And I would, I'd get behind the biggest hairdo I could find in front of me, you know. And the teacher would be looking. And <laughs> Mr. Bochel, he'd walk around and he'd say, uh, Sammy, and I'd think, oh, man, he found me. He found me. What am I going to do? He found me. And I'd go to the board and I'd be, nah, pick me out. Pick me out. And that's what God does. He picks us out. God sees you today, but not to embarrass you. Uh, hear this. He sees you not to embarrass you, but to bless you and to call you to himself. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Listen to verse 7 through 10. Listen to this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You're trying to get away from God. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take wings, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You can't get away from God. God watches you. Do you know that? God watches you. Everybody's concerned about UFOs. <laughs> yeah, you believe in you? I, I don't know. I don't think there are any UFOs. I don't know who's watching me. I don't know if the government's watching me. I don't know UFOs are watching me. I just hope whoever's watching can see Jesus through me. And ever who's watching, they can see how to come to know Christ by what I'm saying and by how I'm living and who I'm speaking to. Maybe they can see that. Maybe they can hear that. That's not a bad thing if they come to Christ. You can't get away from God. God's been run listen, God's been running surveillance on your life. From the first moment you were born, he knows where you are right now. He knows where you've been. He knows what you're doing. That's just God, and you can't hide from him. He'll find you, and he's calling you. That's the one. Jesus is calling you. And so in conclusion, on the way to Damascus, Saul met Jesus, and his life was never the same. And because of Christ, Saul would become a completely different man. Thus, the title, two completely different men. One person, Paul, Saul, converted to Paul. So we, we saw two completely different men, Saul before Christ, Paul after Christ. And so all of us are on the road somewhere, and uh, you'll not change by your own strength, if you've never accepted Christ, you're not going to be good enough to, to be saved. You're really not. You're not going to do enough to be saved. Only God can give you that everlasting salvation. There's, there's no change forever until you meet Jesus Christ. Nobody here 
Let me say this. Nobody here is too far gone to be saved. Jesus is rich in his mercy, and Christ will put you on the right road that leads to heaven. Got thinking about roads. You know, there's a road that goes from heaven to earth, and Jesus came down that road. And then there is a, there is a road that goes from earth to heaven, and that way is Jesus. That's how we get there. Then there's a road that goes from earth to hell. And those who reject Christ are on that road. And it'll end one day, and you'll be in hell forever, forever. Because, you see, there's, there's not a road that goes from hell to heaven. Now, there's a road that goes from earth to heaven. You, don't, you're, you can be on that road now, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only way, the truth, and the life that leads to the Father. So which road are you on today? Your decision today should be on the right road. Fact number one, every person here has things in their past who we're ashamed of or what we're ashamed of, what we regret. At the same time, every person here can be completely redeemed and forgiven and changed as you get closer to eternity. So which road are you on? In just a few minutes, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Terry's going to come and and lead us in just as I am, just as I am. That's how the Lord receives us. And so you have, to, you have to make a decision today. Which road are you on? If you die tonight, are you hoping you're going to make it? More than likely, if you're hoping you're going to make it, you're not going to make it. The Bible says this. These things I've written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can know, if you can lay your head down tonight and say, hey, if the Lord comes back, I know I'm going. If something happens to this old body of mine, I know I'm going. I just know I'm going. That's not wishful thinking. That's assurance of your salvation based on what the Lord Jesus has said. And so let me encourage you today, if you've never trusted Christ, step forward and say, Brother Sammy, I want to know how to be saved. After everyone leaves, I'll talk, we'll talk. And you'll have an opportunity to go from being unconverted to being a child of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today. Thank you for this message. Thank you, Lord, for making it so simple. Lord, as we studied the life of Saul the Pharisee, Saul of Tarsus. And, Lord, how he met you, and he became Paul. He became an apostle of Jesus Christ. He became Paul the apostle to the Gentiles, and his whole life changed. Not from good to bad, but from bad to better. Lord, as he confessed you as Lord of his life, Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation as people make decisions this morning. Those that are here, those that are viewing, I pray today, Lord. Those that are viewing and listening by radio or what have you, Lord, that they would humble their heart and they would become low and that they would ask you to remove any pride 
and that they would ask you to forgive them and to come into their life and save them. And they would be obedient to your gospel and believe in that Christ came and died on the cross for their sins. He was buried, and then on the third day was raised again, and one day coming back for those who belong uniquely to him, having put their faith and trust in him and nothing else. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.